Hi everyone, it's John and Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the movie. One minute at a time. You tried to say my line again. <laughs> I, I always catch myself trying to say your line. I know, I can see you like starting. I have to remind you to stop. <laughs> and joining us today, we do have a very special guest with us to help commentate on this event-filled minute. Special guest, how about you introduce yourself? Uh, sure. My name is Mike Westfall. I'm the host of a podcast called The Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas one. Have you ever covered Santa Claus a movie on your podcast? We have not. I was on another podcast by some friends of mine. It's called Sequel Quest, where we pitched our own ideas for a sequel to Santa Claus the movie. That was back in December. Uh, that was a whole lot of fun. I definitely want to listen to that. I was like, I remember I retweeted that, but it's like, oh, I never got around to listening to it. <laughs> oh, we want to be came influenced. up with some some very silly and very fun ideas. Because uh, Ben and I, when we wrap up the movie, we're thinking of like doing our own pitching a sequel thing. And I didn't want to be have any outside influences in my head. So Okay, uh, so maybe hang on to that. But Yeah, yeah, I'll put a pin it, in it. Yeah, all good. Everyone else can go listen to it. Then. Yes, <laughs> highly recommend Sequel Quest, it's called. So the reason we have Mike with us today... We'll, we'll uh, you'll find out later in the minute. We needed yeah. some of his knowledge. He seemed very excited when we confirmed <laughs> that a very young performer was in this minute. And um, we needed, he seemed the most excited when we brought this up on the Christmas Podcasters Discord server. <laughs> so I was like, we got to get this guy. He, he probably knows what he's talking about. <laughs> So anyway, you ready to dive into this one? Actually, before we dive into the minute, Mike, what is your relationship with this movie? I saw it once when I was a kid on TV. It was either HBO or I don't remember how. I just remember that I sat down and was fascinated by it. And then I completely forgot it and never saw it again. And then growing up, I, you know, internet starts becoming big when I was in high school and college and no one had anything nice to say about Santa Claus the movie. So I kind of wrote it off as, oh, maybe I didn't like it so much and that's the only time I saw it. And then when I got back on to the Sequel Quest podcast this past year, this past December, I was invited on it and I watched it again for the first time in, oh, 30 years, maybe? The, and I, it was delightful. I had such a good time. I mean, yeah, it's a very cheesy 1985 movie. It's produced by the people who brought a Superman, and it felt very much like those first two Superman movies to me, where if you're coming in for the first time 30 years later, then yeah, it's going to seem a little silly. But it was the right sort of tone for this, and I'm, I'm very happy that I got to see it. And I'm sure you've uh, watched Minute 58, which we're going to be discussing today. Absolutely. Many, many times in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so to recap, uh, we're, we're just going to get into it now. To recap, sure. this is Christmas Day, 1983, in the movie timeline, even though it looks like it's mid-October with all the leaves on the ground. So many leaves. There's like no signs of Christmas whatsoever, and this is supposed to be Christmas morning. <laughs> and the mass-produced toys made by Patrick's machine are falling apart. The two girls we saw last minute fall off their ride on toys are bursting into tears and the parents rush over to comfort them. The father of one of the girls is so disgusted with a broken toy that he kicks it onto the <laughs> side of the road. <laughs> I love this. Like, oh, this, this toy that magically appeared and didn't cost me any money and I could easily <laughs> fix. What a piece of junk. Right. 
that is my problem with this minute is all of these toys they fall apart yes it's devastating for the kids but in what world do you just throw something into the road and let some other vehicle run it over <laughs> possibly damaging their car and which you could just fix by replacing a nut you go to the hardware store pick up a nut and boom you have a new toy i don't understand you can wait a day for the stores to open again and buy that that piece you need or so many times i'd had to wait a day to get batteries for something exactly this it's ridiculous it's very wasteful of these parents very wasteful the thing about this minute that really got to me besides what's coming up later but this part in particular was just the the clearly dubbed in later crying children <laughs> <laughs> what where i know that john has some stuff to say on this too but this poor kid whose wagon got smashed like what what did they show this kid to make him act so sad i mean that's good acting for a little a little child i'm not, I'm not being convinced that's acting i don't know what they <laughs> were showing this kid but he's like oh. this is after okay this is a school bus by the way a school bus that comes peeling around the corner in in the middle of a neighborhood where a kid's just walking in the middle of the road and yeah kids shouldn't have been walking in the middle of the road but that school bus didn't even slow down or stop it just bucked around that corner and ran over the broken wagon fire that bus driver <laughs> didn't even stop to look back is everyone okay nope he just kept going why also, this is supposed to be christmas day yeah what's the school bus even doing out on the road so many questions <laughs> Maybe someone stole that school bus and trying to make a getaway. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, first time I'm watching this, I'm thinking maybe it's days later and they're taking their... It makes so much sense for it to be Christmas Day and people are bringing their toys out to play with them for the first time. And because of what happened with, with Patch's machine, that everything's falling apart instantly, that makes more sense now. But that school bus is just going way too fast. That kid's lucky to be alive, let alone the toy. <laughs> Even though this uh, scene is very short, I think it stuck with a lot of kids, you know, who watch this movie as children. It's a very intense, almost upsetting scene. You know, when you're a kid watching other kids get upset, it's it makes you upset too. And I think this scene has stuck with a lot of people over the years. Oh, yeah. Even the guy who did the commentary track on the DVD brought it up. And the director realized, like, oh, really? Like, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember people in the theater shocked by this. Why? Maybe because people like me were laughing. I don't know. But they found it cruel um, that these kids were being put through this, this terrible ordeal, which is nothing by today's standards. Oh, really? I never got feedback on that. There was just silence, utter, utter silence when I saw this. And, and Ben, before we move on, this uh, sequence of events plays out totally different in the comic book than it does in the movie. In the movie, we just have this, the uh, toys falling apart isolated on this one street. But in the book, it plays out a lot differently. Yeah, in the comic book, um, it says, for Joe and Cornelia, that was a very special Christmas. But for too many boys and girls, it wasn't. And then we have just this big like graphic spot here that has a family going, oh no, something's wrong with my bike. 
and it woke. <laughs> I can't believe it. Santa gave us something that doesn't fit. And that's uh, a mother and a, a child trying to put together a puzzle that doesn't go together. And then we have uh, a father and a son, I'm guessing, and they're trying to put together a swing set. And this is, oh no, missing parts. So for the toys, we have a tricycle, a wagon, a puzzle, and a swing set in the comic book. Also, you, you didn't mention, but I saw a glimpse of it in the comic book, the puzzle with the pieces that are either missing or don't fit together. Yeah. On the box is like a bootleg picture of Mickey Mouse. Yes. In the comic book. It's very unusual. Yes. The cover is a Mickey Mouse, but the actual puzzle is just pieces of color. Like there's like blue and pink and yellow and green. Like there's no, no image. They didn't even try to make the image on the puzzle, on the puzzle. that they're trying to put together. <laughs> Man, Padma's <laughs> machine really messed that one up. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it doesn't even match the cover of the puzzle. <laughs> We now see that kids everywhere have turned against Santa after hundreds of years of goodwill. One-off Christmas has ruined his reputation. And it appears that anyone who dares speak positively of Santa Claus is just asking for trouble as uh, we see Joe encountering three bullies in a junk-filled alley. And they're shoving Joe against this chain link fence pretty hard, I must say. Yeah. And his little fingers go through the fence and hopefully he survived that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you frame by frame it near the end of that encounter, like his hat falls off backwards and his face is legit pressed up against that chain link. It doesn't look very comfortable. Mm -mm. Oh, that's a really violent fight. I've never gotten in a fight about Santa Claus before. <laughs> so he really must have stuck up for Santa right here, right before we cut to this fight. He must have heard them talking bad about him. And I guess Joe felt the need to defend his buddy Santa. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering, like, how did the topic of Santa come out? Did we have a roaming gang of bullies? Just, hey, kid, what do you think of Santa? <laughs> but no, I could now I could picture like these three, these three kids are talking trash about Santa and his junky gifts this year. And Joe defends him because Joe just went on this magical sleigh ride the night before right. or whenever, whenever this fight's taking place. Well, it's definitely winter because you can see what they attempted to make as snow on all of this stuff in the background. Looks like melted snow, but. It... Yeah, it's a very light coating of snow. Yeah. You think this is the alley where Joe lives most of the time? Maybe he sleeps on that sofa. It could. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. The bullies have some very strong PG language here. He says, they say uh, his presents suck and his toys are cheap crap. Yeah. Who taught these kids manners? <laughs> well, if they're living back there, they didn't have anybody to teach them manners. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now, Ben, do you have your, your minute up sourced from the uh, HD print of the movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I need your eyeballs because I okay. can't make it out. But okay. there is some graffiti spray painted on the brick wall behind mm -hmm. Joe and the bullies. Mm -hmm. The only word I can make out is home. Yep. H-O-M-E. And I didn't know if you can make out the rest. Uh, let's see. No, I got to look at this now. I wasn't paying attention to the graffiti. <laughs> it looks like it's, well, I don't think it's an actual word or if it is, it's not in English because it, it looks like it says C-A-M-U-E but it's a mix between like cursive handwriting and printing. So I can't mm. tell if it's an 
A, an E, or an O, because I don't know what uh, handwriting style they're using. And then it looks like it says Una and then home. So at first I thought it said C O M M I E when I first. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> but wow. I, I, I mean, it could be. I think that is used in the movie later on, that word. But um, I don't know if that's what it actually says. It's very hard to make out. Okay. And now we're at the part we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Even though Santa isn't in this minute and Dudley Moore isn't in this minute, we have an all-star cast uh, this minute. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are we going back to the graffiti? Yeah, just for a minute. In the background, it looks like there's an adult standing in the doorway behind those kids. You're right. I never noticed it. I literally, like it just zoomed (laughs) in or something because (laughs) there is an adult just standing there. Oh yeah. He's like smoking a cigarette or something. Yep. And just watching all these kids just fighting. My problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's not even looking at him. He's just minding into his own business. I've never noticed that either. I was, I guess I was too busy trying to decipher (laughs) the the graffiti and watching Joe get his face. Oh, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I wonder if that's somebody who accidentally got into the shot or if he's supposed to be there as just a background character. I think he's supposed to be there. He looks like he has he has like a big puffy coat and a hat on, huh. like a winter knit hat, and he's like smoking a cigarette. Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like he matches the vibe of the alley, you know, okay. with his outfit and everything. Yeah, he's probably just like, not my problem, like you yeah. said. <laughs> Good eye, Ben. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, now now we can move on. Sorry, I had to backtrack us a second, but. So from the fight in the alley, we uh, now see Cornelia in her dance class. And I have to assume now we must be in January, like early January of 84, where this is taking place that for dance class right. to be in, back in session. Maybe, yeah like school vacation must be done with mm-hmm. we see the instructor with a group of girls and we see cornelia in the back with uh, two other girls one little girl says how can you be so dumb cornelia everyone knows he gives out shoddy cheap toys my daddy says he's an old fake like how kids in 1985 talked right yeah <laughs> the ones in ballet class did perhaps i guess so <laughs> no i took ballet class and uh, i didn't talk like that <laughs> well all right and then now it's Cornelia's turn to defend Santa by saying he's the nicest man in the whole world. He is not. He's the nicest man in the whole world. And then another girl, a girl in a purple shirt, says to Cornelia that her dad got her a doll who says whole sentences on a cassette. And uh, this one's really, really hitting low here. You don't have any parents, so yeah. This one's really, really hitting low here. You don't have any parents, so Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could probably, yeah, I could probably uh, read that again. I can, hang on, I can do it better. <laughs> you don't have any parents, so yeah. How's that been? Can you do it? Perfect. It was, it was very well done. Except for I never use your audio when I'm. <laughs> when, well, now, now when you I'm have editing to. editing it together. Now but you now have I, to. Yeah, now I have to. My parents gave me a doll where she says whole sentences on a cassette. You don't have any parents, so yeah. But, you know, if I was Cornelia, I would have smacked her, too. (laughs) (laughs) Just smacks her right in the arm. I mean, she really wails, too. Ow! 
Like this isn't about Santa anymore. This just got personal. No, and and all the you hear some of the other girls like look around and they're kind of ooh fight. Like I've never heard anyone react to a fight like ooh fight. Like someone brought out ice cream or something. It's ballet class. We don't fight in ballet class, you know. I guess not. <laughs> when it happens there, it's like ooh, what's going on? <laughs> So then the dance teacher uh, rushes over to break up the fight. And we have a lot to unpack here in this relatively short little bit. <laughs> Let's start with these two girls who are uh, bullying Cornelia. We'll get the one that we haven't got confirmation on out of the way first. Mm -hmm. uh, we are currently unsure of who plays the first little girl. The one in the green shirt. Yes, the one who daddy thinks Santa is an old fake. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Some internet sources have claimed it is a young Nicole Appleton of the English-Canadian girl group All Saints. Internet Movie Database's uh, trivia section said she mentioned being an extra in this movie in her 2003 book, Together. Huh. And Mike, you'll appreciate this. For this podcast, we tracked down a copy of Nicole Appleton's <laughs> 2003 book, Together. And now, Ben, can you read the portion relating to this movie? in Nicole Appleton's 2003 book, Together. Yes. So um, I believe it is Nicole talking in this particular section. Um, it's really hard to tell. This book is, I, I'm sorry, Nicole and Natalie, but it is very poorly written <laughs> where I cannot <laughs> figure out who is who when they're talking, but I believe this is Nicole talking. And it says, more, com more commercials followed, and this helped pay the school fees at Sylvia Young's. I was a cast as an extra in the films Brazil and Santa Claus the Movie, and sang in the West End musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And that's it. That's the and only that mention it. of Santa Claus the Movie <laughs> in Nicole Appleton's book. It makes no mention of what scene she was an extra in. And the book includes many photos of her and her sister as kids and looks nothing like the girl in this scene. Mm -mm. I can, I can, well, I can kind of see how they could get this girl being one of the two. I'm not sure who is who in these school, in these pictures uh, in the book, because the captions are just first school picture. It doesn't say who, is who but oh dear <laughs> one of them the teeth that look very similar to this girl but the face does not so i can see if you're really stretching it and being like she is in this <laughs> somewhere <laughs> this has got to be her because the two front teeth look similar well, I but think the, the face does not i think one of the girls that you can see the reflection of in the mirror when the mm -hmm. fight starts to break out looks closer to the pictures in Nicole Appleton's book. Okay. But yeah. we have no confirmation. So don't, don't put that on IMDb nope. just yet. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a very few uh, characters that you see in the background of this movie that could be her. It'd be these two that we just mentioned. And then potentially the girl that was in the McDonald's minute, the Mick minute, as John refers <laughs> to it as, uh, the girl with wearing, I think she was uh, wearing a purple coat and she has long brown hair, but you never see her face. So it's potentially her there too, 
But other than that, we can't really tell because none of them really look like her. And there are no credits in this movie for anyone. (laughs) Yeah, the the kids besides uh, Joe and Cornelia don't get any screen credit, but there's like screen credit for like police officer number two and wino so it's... <laughs> i'm gonna say that happens a lot where you see like additional cast and there will just be a list of names and that's what you get but if they're crediting police officer number two and wino then all right come <laughs> on they could have given a credit to uh these two girls yeah easily and one last thing uh, about this particular girl is that when uh, Cornelia turns her back to her and the other girl is talking, the uh, you don't have any parents, nah, girl. You're, the first girl is mouthing along the lines that the other girl is saying. The oh. If you watch it, her mouth is like, I can't do it on a podcast in audio form, but she is mouthing <laughs> uh, the you're, you don't have any parents, so nah. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have either, but it's mentioned on the IMDb goofs page. So I was like, did that really, Wow! did that really happen? The IMDb's goofs page is a kind of hit or miss. Like we have debunked a few of them on this show. Uh, Yeah. Yes, you have. So now we're moving on to the girl in the purple. And when I started doing research for this movie, one fact I found a bit dubious was to claim on IMDb and Wikipedia that future WCW wrestler Shannon Spurl, AKA Daphne, played the bratty girl in dance class. <laughs> now I saw this presented as fact over and over again, but I could found no concrete source. And I was originally just gonna stop there, but then I found Daphne had a cameo page where you can request a personalized <laughs> greeting for a small amount of money. And I figured let's have it on record. Let's go directly to the source one way or the other. Let's have it on record and we heard back, and this fact is 100% true. Wow. And Ben, how about we play that cameo right now? What's up, John and Ben? Yeah, I was 10, and um, they needed American kids because we shot at Pinewood Studios in England. So a bunch of us from the Air Force Base uh, went, and uh, it was like a catacall, and I was just going to be an extra in the background or something. And then they called me in another room, and they're like, can you say this line? And then they came out, and they're like, okay, you're going to be this girl, and this is your line. I was like, oh, shit. I, wow. And uh, that's, you know, a big deal. So, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. It was. I was, like, legit, like, oh, my God. Because I had d- done one other film before, and they ended up making me, like, a featured extra where this girl comes in the orphanage and we're all the other little girls and she has this watch and I go over and I steal it and I throw it out the window <laughs> and I'm like hey, hey. <laughs> I'm always so mean uh, so Santa Claus well my mom was there um, we went to Pinewood two separate days and it was supposed to be like a field hockey kind of thing and when we would go, it would just be pouring with rain. So we sit there and wait and wait. And it was just nasty, muddy outside, too. So finally, they said, um, we're going to do a, do you have a leotard. And I was like, yeah, I had to tap and jazz and ballet and all that stuff. So uh, we came back and we made it the ballet scene. So one of the things that happens, like we're walking around backstage, and we see this little man, and he's jumping up to try to get to the top of the um, door. And we're like, and we get a little bit closer. And my mom goes, that's Dudley Moore. 
And I was like, no way. And we were like walking past him. He turned around and he kind of laughed. And we, you know, introduced ourselves. And he was just like, I've let myself spell. I now, when I do an accent, it always ends up being Scottish. He's like, well, I, uh, I locked myself out of my bathroom, out of my dressing room. So silly of me. Uh, I've got to wait for some, someone a wee bit taller. <laughs> they come and get it. <laughs> and he just, you know, it was true. It happened. So I saw Dudley Moore locked out of his dressing room. He locked himself out. Um, so when we finally did the scene, if you watch, there's the other girl, and I even know her line. She's, um, and then the main character, Cornelia, who I kept in touch with her, actually, for a little while. We were pen pals. She says, how can you be so dumb, Cornelia? Cornelia, everybody knows he gives out shoddy cheap toys. My daddy says he's an old fake. And then he is not. He's the nicest man in the whole. And then I go, my parents gave me a doll that says whole sentences on a cassette. You don't have any parents. So, and then, psh, ow, and then, woo, it's on. We're throwing hands. <laughs> and, uh, when I watch it back, they're like, you're doing great. You're, are you sure you don't mind doing it again? Because she means she's like, she's going to hit you. I guess just kind of like looking back. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's okay. I can take it. Do it again. So, uh, my favorite, my lucky number is 17, because my birthday is July 17th, and I think my mom said we did 17 takes, um, and I'm wondering if it was because of me, because if you watch it, even though I think I have the little clip on my, I'm like, like, I'm trying not to laugh, I think I even looked at the camera, it might have been me while we had to do 17 takes, but they were saying that it was the other girl. So, <laughs> we get into this little fight, and I mean, basically they were like, you did great, and, um, we went to the Royal Albert Hall, or, we didn't get to go to the premiere. Pissed my dad off. My dad was really proud of me. He wanted to see me to go to the premiere. And, um, so, we went the next night, and we sit all the way through the credits, you know? And we're like, I would be, what, girl in ballet scene one or two, like, Shannon Sproul, Shannon Sproul. And they did put me in the credits. I don't know if I'm in there now. I do have the DVD. I don't even know if I have a DVD player. But, um, yeah, I, uh, that was uh, my experience. So I got paid a lot of money. Yeah, and the days that I came and it rained and we had to go home, you still get paid for that day. But if in the wrestling business, not like that. No, you restarted. We're talking about Santa Claus. It's all fun and jolly. And uh, I think that's cool. But yeah, so good luck with the, that. And we have to thank Daphne for being such a good sport and sharing those memories with us. <laughs> and I like to think we were probably the first people on the face of the earth to ever ask her or at least request a cameo that didn't bring up wrestling whatsoever. We were like, what do you know about Santa Claus the movie? Do you have any memories of Santa Claus the movie? <laughs> Y'all probably made her day too. <laughs> she seemed really thrilled to be talking about it. Good. She went on a little bit longer than I was expecting. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So it was it was nice. I I, I really enjoyed watching her little cameo clip she uh, sent us. Okay, we've come to the point. What did what did Daphne do post Santa Claus the movie 1985? Oh well, Daphne was a character on WCW from, I want to say, 1999 to 2001 is the period where I know her from. Uh, and her character, she was the crazy girlfriend type. 
they called her the scream queen because she had this piercing scream that became her trademark. But she was fantastic. She took a gimmick that might not be a great idea in 2021 and really made it her own. At least I think it was very memorable. I have nothing but praise for Daphne. She was she's one of three women to hold the cruiserweight championship. And this is more notable on paper, but in 2000, she was the opponent in Miss Elizabeth's first ever actual wrestling match. But it was like one of those where they're wrestling for a minute and then someone comes in from the outside and the match gets thrown out and Daphne's disqualified. But that's a fun little fact on paper for her. Uh, after that, I didn't really follow Daphne's career, but apparently in 2008, she had a run where she was supposed to be Sarah Palin, like actual Sarah Palin in a couple of bits. So that's neat. Now, would you say the smack from Cornelia may have launched her wrestling career? Could have. I, I wouldn't count it completely out, but. Now, we do know from uh, Carrie Kheim herself that uh, Daphne here took quite a few hits oh, from no. Cornelia during the shooting of this. It was like 17 in a row of Cornelia just whacking her in the arm. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so by yeah, the time he... she tried out for WCW, she was an old pro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie seemed to regret hitting her so hard so many times. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> So how about, uh, how about we go to the dance scene where you're at your ballet class? Yes, where I, no one taught me how to do a fake hit or a pull your punch kind of thing. So yeah, I kind of just smacked this poor girl's arm over. So that, was a, that was a real smack. That wasn't just a. It like was, a, it was, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> was it one take or did you have to hit her like multiple no, times? No, there's never just one take. Well, I, mean, I didn't know if you, how badly <laughs> bruised up this poor yeah, girl. No, like I don't think she walked away with bruises, but it definitely <laughs> went to it. Like there was a, there was a pink color developing. That was, you know, um, I don't think it was quite as brutal at any given moment as that smack made it sound. That, that there's a really, they've got a really good crack sound happening when, when contact is made. But yeah, yeah, I did kind of just hit another actress over and over again. And she was a good, like she, she was, she was very good sport. No one was telling me I was being horrible. And then later I was kind of like, I feel like someone should have stopped me or given me guidance or, I was 10. I don't know. <laughs> well, in the take they do use in the movie, the girl that you have your back to is actually mouthing the, the line that the girl who's mocking you <laughs> is saying, you know, you don't have parents. Yeah. You can see the other girl that you have your back to like, like mouthing the words along. It's like, I don't know if that's because like, okay, this is take 87 or something. Or maybe it was just that she was ma making sure she knew this is a little kid thing. Apparently Emma Watson did this as Hermione and apparently in certain shots, I don't know if it's outtakes or in the actual movie, apparently she will quietly be mouthing uh, both Dan Radcliffe and Rupert Grint's lines. Oh, wow. So maybe just something for, for some little kids, like you learn the scene and your brain is still like, and then they say this, and then they say this. And that's how you know when you're ready for your next uh, moment. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if I've confused this with another movie because I like when I was taking notes on the dancing minute, it's like, 
I swear I've heard that the dance instructor was also the movie's choreographer. She was. Okay, so I was like, where did I hear that in the movie commentary track? Because I can't find it on IMDb or anywhere. It's like, did I just make this out of thin air in my head? Yes, no, she was the choreographer in particular for the Patch Natch uh, commercial production later on. And another role that went uncredited and isn't even listed anywhere online, but we do have confirmation from uh, Carrie Kay, is the dance instructor who rushes over to break up the fight is played by the movie's choreographer, Pat Garrett. And if you want to see an impressive resume, man, in addition to this movie, her choreography credits include Little Shop of Horrors, Muppet Christmas Carol, King Ralph from 1991, the 1999 version of A Christmas Carol with Sir Patrick Stewart. And on IMDb, um, it says she's also um, directed TV, film, theaters, commercial, music videos, as well as professional work as a puppeteer and motion capture artist for the Jim Henson Company. I hope this woman writes a book someday. Wow. I didn't know about the Muppets connection. I'm that's impressive by itself, but okay, that makes sense. You said choreography for Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm like, well, they have people for that, but she is the person, so that that makes sense now. She returned to her first love of acting in 2013. She is still act. She is still acting and getting credits to this day on IMDb. So, hey, all right. Let's see. And then, as the girls all gather around to watch the big fight, we hear the uh, teacher say something. And it clearly sounds to my ears as girls, that's no way for dancers to behave. But the subtitles on the DVD don't agree with, don't agree with us. They, they say she is saying, girls, no way can dancers be angry. Which, <laughs> what? Doesn't, <laughs> which doesn't really make sense. I'm, I'm going to trust my ears on this one. <laughs> I've noticed more and more because we keep, at one point we turned on captioning on Disney Plus and all of our streaming services just as we're watching things with my kids. I think it was when we watched the movie Thor when we first turned them on. I'm like, they're going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. Let's just turn on captions. Uh, so I've noticed more and more that captions, especially in more recent things, is a lot of just paraphrasing. Yeah, It's never one-to-one anymore. So... <laughs> But they're all I just, just doing I, the best they can. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was kind of amusing. This one is so off base of what she actually said. Yeah, that's a little weird. Like who actually would talk in that form? You know, like it isn't like it's a smooth sentence at all. So the okay. so the little girl that I'm gonna re- just keep referring to as Daphne from now on. I, I think yeah. we, we're gonna make that canon. The girl in purple is now Daphne. Perfect. <laughs> Might as well be. And of course, uh Uh, circling back to what she said to Cornelia earlier, how her dad got her a doll that says whole sentences on a cassette. The first talking doll that used a cassette player that I could find was Cricket from Playmates Toys. you have cricket available in english and french cricket books and outfits sold separately with cassette batteries not included i'll be talking to you and uh cricket wow. in case you didn't know was kind of a combination between teddy ruxpin and chucky um <laughs> yeah yep now this yes, scene yes, here yes. must be you know at the latest probably 
first week of January 1984. Cricket was first unveiled in February of 1986 at the American International Toy Fair in New York. But Ben has figured out a way to get this to all fit into the timeline perfectly. And you, you take it from here. Okay, so my, my theory is uh, that Cornelia most likely goes to a uh, higher-end ballet school, you know, having BZ be her uncle, step-uncle, and whatnot. So my thing, my theory, is that Daphne's father is a rival toy company, uh, you know, owner of Playmates, say. So he has obviously advanced knowledge of what toys are coming out and and whatnot so she could clearly have a prototype of what's going to be coming out of cricket and that would explain why there's such animosity between cornelia and daphne because their families are of rival toy manufacturing companies I absolutely buy that. I absolutely (laughs) buy that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, what better test market than your own kids if you have them? Exactly. That, that makes perfect, perfect sense. I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, this is about the time that Teddy Ruxpin was out, but it feels like that would have been later. I had a robot called Casey that played cassettes. I did not have Teddy Ruxpin, but that's what I had. So yeah, that was about the same time frame in there. Yeah, yeah, I believe I, Teddy Ruxpin actually came out for Christmas of 1985. Okay. Yeah. So the year the movie came out. Mm-hmm. I had a Teddy Ruxpin. So I obviously, loved it. <laughs> obviously cassette-based talking toy technology was on everybody's mind around the time this movie was being written and filmed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, Playmates may have tried to get that doll out for Christmas of 85, but Teddy Ruxpin took the market, so they pushed it a year and then it would have been then it would have been released at the same time as the movie and it would have corresponded but you know maybe teddy swooped in stole the thunder yeah Uh, i don't know why i thought this was important enough to write down in my notes but i'm not going to let any note go to waste cricket (laughs) required four c batteries for the cassette player and one (laughs) nine volt battery for the mouth movement this doll must have weighed 40 pounds wow I'm trying to think back. I think I had a cousin who had Cricket, and I remember her being very heavy. And I remember <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin being pretty hefty, now that I think about it. So, yeah, that's plausible. Uh, did she have roller skates, or am I mixing that with some other doll? Oh, no, I, I didn't I didn't dive deep, deep enough into the Cricket wiki, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Cricket at all. Maybe well, wait, that's because I had Teddy, so I didn't care, but okay. I don't remember cricket, but I, I was, I was four. So, uh, I may have just missed it. I'm looking at her now on uh, just a quick Google search. She does not have roller skates, just regular pink sneakers, but yeah, I definitely remember this doll. <laughs> no pony well, now, tails, now, now I'm pony. Google searching cricket doll roller skate. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I she doesn't have roller been... skates. It's, I just, I just googled cricket talking doll, and here she is with her pigtails and her pink and blue striped sweater. Looks like she came with a director's chair. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? She has like little bunny slippers on the picture I'm looking at. Okay. 
had pajamas. Must have been a pajamas accessory maybe, pack. Yeah, maybe they had an accessory pack that came oh, with roller skates. It looks like there's a male version of Cricket whose name was Corky, who looks very much like Chucky. <laughs> yeah, that, that was apparently uh, uh, Cricket's younger brother. But yeah, yeah, definitely huh. strong Chucky vibes from both of these dolls yeah. when you see them in action. Especially when you see YouTube videos of dolls that are operating today on YouTube, not the toy commercials from 1985, but what a 36-year-old Cricket doll is trying to come alive in. <laughs> 2021 it's it's pretty terrifying oh yeah that's the stuff of nightmares so so moving on uh, to to a, a different scene um we see a close-up of a wooden elf made clock of some sort and there are two little wooden figures on a seesaw and it's a quiet room nice and peaceful obviously dually the uh if, if i don't know yeah you must know dually dually yeah, yeah i every- couldn't think like i didn't write down his name and i was like you know the elf <laughs> the, the old fuck? man <laughs> the right. old elf he's uh just, just a, uh, chilling out he's smoking a, a a pipe and adjusting his candlelight while he reads a really sick book he's chilling out he's having some dually time <laughs> we haven't seen any elf characters or north pole characters smoking in this movie previously oh so, really okay and uh, yeah, where where do they get where do they get their tobacco products? Is he even smoking tobacco in? in well, where do they get any of their food products? They're out in the middle of nowhere. They must have like a greenhouse of some sort, you know, some sort of a a vegetable garden that's you know lit artificially or something. You know, I mean, they must. They. I don't think Santa goes out grocery shopping for the whole year on Christmas Eve when he's out and about. That's his last stop yeah. on the way home. <laughs> he has a grocery list. <laughs> stop at the grocery store on your way you home. Go. We that need 5,000 pounds of potatoes. <laughs> Gotta last us the whole year. Sorry, I threw you off track. <laughs> yeah, you threw me off. <laughs> no, I'm just picturing Santa with a big sack of groceries. <laughs> just pallets. <laughs> The usual Mr. C, loaded up in the sleigh. <laughs> oh, geez. But when, when you see a character in a family movie smoking in 2021, it's like, you know, they, they would never get away with that now. They wouldn't, wouldn't even, that wouldn't even be in your kid's movie. Oh, absolutely not. Even if it's a comical looking pipe, they would not be smoking anything. Nope. I think the most recent one I can remember is pete disney's pete characters got a cigar and that was 1999 when i saw that he was in mickey's once upon a christmas and he's got the cigar that like sets fire to his whole christmas tree lot but that's the most recent one i can think of i I think disney was the first company to phase out any character smoking around that time around the early 2000s sounds about right so uh dooley is then jumped by a loud noise he is startled so much he tosses his book (laughs) and the noise is being caused by this is a great shot by the way the parts of the broken toys crashing through the chimney into the mail room the very chimney that letters to santa usually come pouring down i like that the chimney is the way back it like that's the return shoot (laughs) it it makes complete sense when you think about the whole santa claus mythos like of course it's a chimney but when i'm first watching this and thinking oh that's a nice touch it does appear there's a fire going on in that. There is. Oh, yeah. no. 
There is yeah. a fire going on in the fireplace. I know we have brought this up yeah. earlier when letters are coming down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe the letters are like magically fireproof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't that think seems they... to be a function. Yeah, because that's a functioning yeah. fireplace, keeping Dooley warm. Right. In his little room. He, yeah, it's like the downtime after the holiday rush. He's not expecting anything to come down the chimney. No. no. And our, our our minute ends as he's just sitting there in disbelief. He cannot believe his eyes that broken toys are coming back to the North Pole. For, the, for apparently the first time ever, as we as we hear next minute. <laughs> I wish I knew what he was reading. It looks like he was just keeping books, like he's doing some bookkeeping. He doesn't seem to be writing in it. He seems to be a study. Oh, yeah. I guess he is. yeah, okay. He's holding his book like this, holding it up, and then he hears the crash, and he's like, throws oh. it over. I would, I would have this candle that he has for his light. I would have that maybe a little lower to help him read, but I guess, you know, I guess he's getting enough light, but I like the little contraption that obviously Patch must have designed holding this candle. You know, it's adjustable where it can go in and out and up and down. And this is a little detail I I didn't notice until rewatching this particular minute, but I made a note of it in a previous montage when the letters start flowing in. Mm -hmm. And during that montage, it's supposed to take place in a really early century but we can see a very modern looking model rocket ship in the background. And if you look in the background behind Julie here, you can see that same rocket ship. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's because it's the same room. This is the mail room. And that's where my notes end. Any final thoughts on this particular minute? A lot going on. This is a good minute. It's, It's packed with a lot of details going on to kind of transition us from the first half of the movie into the second. This is kind of where everything starts to turn. So I'm glad to have been part of it. I'm, it was fun to see tiny baby Daphne in there. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for joining us. We, we wanted to get somebody with some wrestling knowledge here. <laughs> we, we, don't, we didn't think we could do this minute justice without uh, somebody to guide us along with uh, making sure we got our wrestling facts correct. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this was a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So before we wrap things up, where can, where can people find you online? Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I have a show called The Advent Calendar House, uh, and that's at adventcalendar.house. I put out 12 episodes in July and 12 in December, and each one is about a Christmas special or TV episode or movie that I like to watch and talk about with some friends. And you can follow me on Twitter at Fall West Mike. That's where I usually hang out. Nice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. And, and Ben, where can people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Santa Minute. And you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. And Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes. Supreme!